Hi, everyone. It's Jen DeWall. And on this week's episode of the Leadership Habit Podcast, I sat down with Lisa Hins to talk about how you can win the battle against imposter syndrome. You might be familiar with imposter syndrome, that pesky thought process that's telling ourselves we're not good enough despite our own evidence of success, that thing that's driving us into burnout, or that thing that is killing our confidence. That's what we are gonna talk about on today's podcast. But before we jump in, let me tell you a little bit more about today's guest. Through her 25 plus years of corporate leadership experience, Lisa Hins, the founder of The Confidence Track, helps her clients to elevate their leadership confidence, influence, and impact through the leadership programs and coaching that she offers. She's very passionate about the topic we'll be talking about today, which will be evident through the personal battle that she'll share with us. I hope you enjoy Lisa's tips, our conversation, as well as a vulnerable conversation on how to win the battle against imposter syndrome. Hi, everyone. I am so excited to be joined by Lisa Hins today on The Leadership Habit, and we are talking all about imposter syndrome. You know, that pesky thing that makes us believe that we're not good enough or maybe even drives us into burnout territory. Either way, many of us struggle with it. And I'm so happy to have Lisa Hins on the show to be able to talk a little bit more about what we can do to get ahead of it and how we can win the battle against imposter syndrome. Lisa, welcome to the Leadership Habit. We are so excited to have you. Thank you so much, Jen. I'm super excited to be here. Fantastic. Well, we're diving in, into imposter syndrome, which has been a buzzword over the past, I would say, five, six, seven years. And it's a topic that I love because so many of us have it. But I want our audience to know a little bit more about you. So before we dive into winning the battle against imposter syndrome, would you go ahead and just tell our audience a little bit more about you and who you are and how you became interested in this topic? Yes, absolutely. So Lisa Hens, and I have 20, 25 years of corporate leadership experience. Most recently, I worked for a Fortune 300 construction engineering firm, uh, one of the biggest in North America. And my time there, I led a team of 75 folks across the U.S. and Canada, worked within their talent development group in university that did a ton of trainings for thousands of people. And so I have a lot of leadership experience and have experienced a lot of things, have seen a lot of things. Fast forward to today, for the last year and a half, I went off on my own and started my own leadership development and coaching company called The Confidence Track. And I work with professionals on elevating their leadership confidence and developing leadership skills. I love it. I mean, I thought one of the stats I read recently was that, you know, almost over 80% of people at one point in time in their career struggle with their self-esteem or their confidence. And, you know, so if you're sitting here wondering, is it you? Chances are, chances are that it could be you, that it's not an uncommon challenge, but it is important to us to be able to recognize when we're in it to figure out what do we do about it. So maybe there are some listeners that have not yet heard the term imposter syndrome. Lisa, what is the baseline of imposter syndrome? How do you define it? Imposter syndrome, it's a false and it can be sometimes crippling belief that one's successes are due to luck or fraud rather than skill. So they believe that they really don't deserve the success that they've achieved and they feel like a fraud. 
Yeah. Feeling like, oh, I wasn't worthy of that. Or somehow they, uh, I guess, drew the lottery and I got this and I'm not really sure why. Um, what are some signs of that? Or I guess in your work, knowing that you've been working with leaders for over 25 years, what are some examples? I mean, what have you seen in your line of work of people having imposter syndrome? One of the first ones is that you tend to believe that your successes are due to having the right connections, luck, or timing. Hey, you know, it pays to know the right people, or I was just in the right place at the right time. And when we do this, we are giving everyone and everything else credit for the successes that we have worked so hard to achieve. So that's one main sign of imposter syndrome. Another is that you feel that everyone thinks you're smarter and more talented than you believe yourself to be. For example, if you're considering taking a promotion, you think, wow, how can they possibly think I'm ready for this type of position? Are they crazy? So that is a second sign. A third sign typically is that's when you constantly fear that others will find you out. And, and that's that feeling of being a fraud. You are in fear that they will figure out that maybe you weren't the right person for the job or maybe you weren't deserving of some accolade or promotion that you recently received. So those are three fundamental signs of imposter syndrome. And is there any one of those three that's more prevalent or that you see more in the workplace? Are they pretty even? I would say they're pretty even and they really coincide with each other. Usually it's a combination of all three. Now, sure, some people might feel one more than the other, and it's very subjective because everyone comes from a different experience. They develop it for different reasons and they have varying levels or degrees of what that is. And I had a horrific experience with it myself and knowing from where I came from and during research and learning a lot more about it, it was really eye-opening to me to see what those statistics are and how many people can struggle with this, but yet also realizing so many people don't talk about it. And that is a big component. There's a sense of shame and bringing up when we're struggling with something. It's, you know, if you're already feeling like a fraud, the last thing you want to do is bring attention to it and, and prove that to somebody that, well, yeah, really, she is a fraud. So we tend to not talk about it. My gosh, I love that you brought that up because yeah, so many people struggle in silence or they assume it's just them that are going through it. Whereas I feel like in the chair that I sit in, and I'm guessing the same for the chair that you sit in, it is more common than what people ever even realize. It's just that it's, is it still taboo? Is it taboo or is it getting easier? Do you notice that it's getting easier for people to talk about it a little bit more? I can get that shame because gosh, it's embarrassing when you compare yourself to someone. I mean, I can think about the business that we're, that you and I are in of, oh my gosh, that person's an amazing speaker. I'll never be as great as that person or this person is that. And I don't want to voice that out loud because I feel dumb or I feel, gosh, worse. And maybe I should just give up or that's just my thought process. <laughs> yeah, I, I am so thankful, Jen, because I do see it talked about more and more. And part of my mission too is to open the conversation about it because a huge component, and I can, I'll talk about that here in a bit, but talking about it can make a big difference. It's It can feel very isolating and you feel like you're the only person on the face of the earth going through it. And you think, what is wrong with me? I should be excited for all of these things going on. And oftentimes we are our own worst enemies and, and we start playing these 
you know, worst case scenarios through our mind and start questioning our own self self worth and really abilities and talents that we have. Oh my gosh, I <laughs> negative thought tracks. I think we still. I come back to you know that quote, and it's one that I've talked about a lot recently on the podcast that. You know, 90% of people believe that they are self-aware, yet 10% of people actually are. And I think that many of us might not even realize that we're going through it. But to come back to what you just shared, imposter syndrome, you know, a part of its fuel is just that self-hatred or constantly telling yourself that you're not enough or being a jerk to yourself. Um, I like to bring in the quote, you know, the greatest abuse a human will ever endure is the abuse inflicted upon them by themselves. We are not kind. Why do you think, you know, do you think there's a benefit to this lack of compassion that we have? Because, or I should say there's positive and negatives to having imposter syndrome from the chair that I sit in. I can see the ways that it can help. And I can obviously see the many ways that it can hurt us. But what ways can or maybe does imposter syndrome initially help us build our success and confidence? I personally, I feel that list is a lot shorter than how it can hurt us. But it can be beneficial because for some people, it really motivates them and allows them to get a lot done. They have a lot to prove. So they dig in. Some people put in a lot of extra hours to prove they deserve to be there and they get a lot done. But when you think about it from that energy level perspective, it's not sustainable. And eventually the long term impacts will cut. It'll catch up with you. And and those long term impacts can be more negative or destructive, if you will. Yes. Well, and it's continually or continuously putting your foot on the gas and not realizing that you're driving yourself into breakdown land. So I guess maybe now it's probably fitting, but initially it might help you. But let's maybe transition into how it's actually hurting us by, you know, listening to the imposter syndrome or telling ourselves that we're imposters. How is it hurting an individual? It can create, it can increase your anxiety. Okay. It can. It can cause depression. You might experience burnout and overwhelm. As I mentioned earlier, you might put, put in a lot of extra hours just to prove that you deserve to be there. Or you could slide to the opposite end of the spectrum, disengage, and then underperform. You might be less willing to advocate for yourself, you may not be as willing to ask for that promotion, that opportunity, that raise. You might have a fear of speaking up in a meeting and sharing ideas. Imagine how that could potentially impact one's career if they're not willing to share what could be the one idea that that group is really looking for. So, you know, overall, there can be lower job satisfaction, lower life satisfaction. There was a study done by Crossover Health on imposter syndrome and employees with imposter syndrome. They proved that they do tend to experience higher levels of burnout. They do have lower rates of job satisfaction and they do tend to perform more poorly. So imagine it doesn't only impact an individual, but there are organizational impacts as well. Yeah. I mean, I can feel that because just noticing if someone's feeling burned out, they're likely not the greatest colleague because they might just be really unhappy and really stressed. And I know that when I'm like that, I'm not probably the easiest person to talk to or to want to do business with. And plus, I don't know. I feel like I hit the point where I'm like waving the white flag and like, I don't even care anymore. The days are just passing. I mean, it's hard. It's really, really hard to be 
in that state. And I, I love that you talk about burnout and mental health because that's kind of what imposter syndrome is. It's, um, you know, there's negative thought distortions that we have about ourselves that just aren't true. How do you think this originates for us? Like, is there a way that you can see that this starts to develop in some people? Is it typically at defining moments within their career when they might have it? Or are we all vulnerable to it at any time? I would say that we're all vulnerable to it at any time. And it originates differently for so many people. There's not just a one cause. It could be anything from how you were raised. Maybe you were in a household that you had these amazingly, incredibly high standards set on you on getting the perfect grades and doing everything perfectly. It could be from being the first of one. And when I say that, I mean, for example, maybe you're the first and only woman that is in a meeting or within uh, a division or, or task force, and you're surrounded by people who are not like you. So that can dredge up feelings. It's not uncommon for a lot of people to experience it when they do achieve success. When you get a promotion, when you become a first-time manager, when you take on a lot more responsibility, even becoming a first-time parent can cause one to have imposter-like thoughts. Oh my gosh, I can relate to that. Definitely through the parenting lens, as we obviously are just newly minted foster parents that I would argue are probably failing every single day. Uh, That's hard. I don't have a reference point for what success looks like at 40. This is our first time being parents and managing someone outside of our dog. (laughs) So, But I I can think about it through the lens of even a former client that I had. And I think you and I talked about this on the pre-call. Because for those that may not realize it might seem that this is something that's, oh, there's no way. Like, if you know you're successful, you're not going to get it. And I think of the quintessential example that I see, which was a former client that she was really, you know, didn't understand why she got her promotion. She didn't understand why they asked her. And she was honestly kept feeling like she was going to be found out. And when we talked about what evidence did they have for making that decision for her promotion, she slowly used the example of, well, I won salesperson of the quarter for first quarter, and then I won it for second quarter, and then I won it for third, and then, of course, I won it for fourth. And I kid you not, she, you know, that was a very drawn out rhythm of how she was laying down her successes. And if you add all that up, she had won salesperson of the quarter for every single quarter that year, but yet still felt that they might've gotten it wrong, that she didn't deserve it. I I don't know. That was like a poster child and it still is. And that was a client that I had 10 years ago, like that. I still think about that because our brightest stars are often the ones that I think probably suffer from it the most. Or is there something that you see? Do you notice it really like heavily concentrated within our top performers because they're using that to motivate themselves? Or where do you have a tendency to see that? It, so it has been proven through research that has been done by the psychologist that coined the term back in 1978. And a lot of research has been, been done since then. And it doesn't matter what gender, it doesn't matter what background, what title, it, it can happen to anyone pretty equally. Now, there are some studies that do show that when you do achieve success, sure, you, you feel more pressure now to perform. You don't want to let people down. You have probably a lot more responsibility, people looking to you as an example. 
So internally, you don't want to slip and you don't want to make a mistake. And you want everything to go perfectly to to prove to them that you are deserving of what they gave you. And I think it does put just an extra heavy layer of pressure on people, especially if they have tendencies to already struggle with some imposter like thoughts. I think this can just add add to the fire. Yeah. And I just heard that beautiful icky word that I love, but know that I need to hate perfectionism. I mean, it's, it's crazy that, and I can say this for myself and I'm curious how you manage it. Perfectionism is still one of the harder things for me. I always want to do the best or I'm failing, which is just so much of that imposter syndrome. But yet I find that perfectionism also allows me to learn new things and to grow, but yet it's the first thing that will collapse me in the face of any form of obstacle. I don't know. Do you consider yourself a perfectionist? That's just me. I feel like I'm still trying to work through that. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I am. I'm right there with you, Jen. It's one of my tendencies too. And I have to remind myself and kind of course correct every so often because I will be working on a project for hours tweaking it, redoing it. And I've learned to stop and ask myself, what is the worst thing that will happen if I were to put this out as it is right now? And probably nothing detrimental and nothing that no one else would probably question, right? I have my own very high set of standards. But then I also look at it as if I can let go of some of that perfectionism, think of the freedom that gives me to focus on other amazing things where I can create and add value and make a difference. And when I start thinking about it that way, it really helps me change my habits of perfectionism and makes it easier for me to let some things go. I love that, that you don't have to just try and strive that sometimes good is good enough. I think right. that is a hard or done is better than perfect. I, I think of that quote. I'm not sure who said that one. Hi, everyone. It's Jen. And I'm just coming to you because we need your help. Presscom International, the organization that hosts the Leadership Habit podcast that I proudly work for, is looking to expand their network of people that are committed to creating more ethical, engaging, and human leaders. Now, how is that relevant to you? Well, we're looking for referrals. Do you know someone that is interested in giving back and being an entrepreneur and owning their own business, or that wants to make a difference and is passionate about leadership development? Well, I'm excited to share with you that Crescom has just launched a referral program. If you know someone, maybe it's a past mentor or a boss that's interested in making a career change and wanting to leverage the knowledge and their experience in the classroom, send them our way. We have this new program and here's the scoop. We've designed an easy to use referral form available on crestcom.com forward slash referrals. And you can visit the site submit your referrals, and access all of the rules along with required terms and conditions. Here's the sweet spot of this. If you refer a successful candidate, we'll give you $2,500. Now we want to expand and make our mission even greater, but we can't do that without your help. So if you know someone that would be interested in becoming a franchisee for an amazing leadership development organization that wants to get into the classroom and make a difference, head on over to crestcom.com forward slash referrals today and help us impact your workplaces and the leaders that you work with. Here's the only caveat. Please note that this program is currently open to applicants based in the United States only. Well, well let's dive into it. So if 
you know, if you're starting and you're listening to this and you're realizing that you might have some of these thought patterns that, you know, demonstrate imposter syndrome, let's get into how you can actually get ahead of it, how you can live your life by quieting that voice of imposter syndrome. Lisa, how do you begin to win the battle against imposter syndrome? The first step, and and there are four steps that I typically recommend and work with clients through, and I worked through these myself, and, and it certainly did help. The first one is to track your triggers. Pay attention to what's triggering you to have those imposter-like thoughts and be honest with yourself. And you might type them into your phone, write notes into a journal, but track them and be as descriptive as you can. For example, where are you when it happens? Who Who is around you? What are you doing? Does it make sense for you to feel this way in the situation? You might find that there are patterns in your triggers. Maybe there are one or two things that consistently trigger you. By understanding what those are, you're at least better prepared and not caught off guard when they pop up. And some examples might be if you are asked a question you're not prepared to answer, especially in a meeting in front of people. Is it when you're tasked with something you're not well versed in? Is it when you walk into a room full of brilliant people and you're wondering if you even deserve to be there? Do you notice yourself feeling this way after spending time on social media? Social media, we are constantly comparing ourselves, whether we realize it or not, and it can be a big trigger. So again, by at least recognizing and knowing what those triggers are, it helps to minimize the impacts of it. I mean, I love that you say just getting into the trigger. I was listening to a podcast yesterday, and they were talking about you know, again, that we many of us fall into the trap of living our life, our stressors on autopilot, that we just go from the trigger to our stress reaction. And we rarely think about, wait, what got us here? And how do I actually want to respond? And how am I going to challenge it? What am I going to do with it? Because they or that case or in the podcast I was listening to is that the fact that we allow the autopilot to exist is why we're burned out, because we're not even recognizing our choice in the matter. Um, So I love that piece of around like building your triggers. And you gave us a pretty powerful one, such as like if you're put on the spot, I can definitely see that with people. My gosh, they're going to now find out that I'm the wrong person and I don't know what I'm talking about. But I feel like people aren't even that as judgmental as we sometimes make them out to be. Um, but that's maybe that's one of mine where I hold myself to that standard. Where do you go once you, you know, identify those triggers? The next thing I recommend is to take some kind of action. When you figure out what your triggers are, for example, if it's being tasked with something that you haven't done before that you're not well versed in. Instead of letting your mind go down that rabbit hole of, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm going to fail at this. I'm going to prove to them I'm not the right person for the job. And you just get overwhelmed right away. What's one simple action you can take, such as think of someone who has done it before. It's like, you know what, Jen, Jen has done this a million times. I'm going to schedule a meeting on our calendar and I'm going to start working up a list of questions that I can ask her. It's so simple that how might that simple action help prevent your mind from going down that rabbit hole? If it's walking into a room full of brilliant people, instead of letting your mind think, wow, uh, this is intimidating. I don't even belong here. What if you walked in thinking, wow, 
look at all of these smart people. I'm going to learn so much. Imagine the different outcomes between walking into that room with those two different thoughts, right? The first one, you're probably going to be a wallflower off in the corner on your phone, just trying to get food and not make eye contact with anyone. The second scenario, you are just genuinely out of curiosity, asking questions, wanting to learn as much about people and what they do in that room as you can. So there are tweaks that you can make and the actions don't have to be big. They can be super small. If it's spending time on social media, maybe choose to listen to one of Jen's awesome podcasts instead. (laughs) Is it uh, one action that I take? And I like to share this with people because it shows how simple it can be. My big trigger was when I would be assigned something I'd never done before. And even though part of me was excited, there was a big part of me that did not want to let anyone down. And I put this horrendous pressure on myself. What I started doing is the first thing I would do is just tell myself, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. That simple saying has prevented my mind from letting those imposter thoughts just take over Because what it does is it tells my brain that it doesn't have to be overwhelmed with having to have all of the answers right now or having it all figured out right at this moment. And so it's eased my anxiety, my fear of failure, those imposter-like thoughts. And with repetition, which is how you create a new habit, it's now my default reaction. And, And I catch myself doing it and I actually laugh now because it's like, wow, that has really worked for me. And so everyone finds what works for them. But having some type of action in your back pocket ready to go can really help just give yourself a little time and it helps to ease that pressure that you might feel. Oh my gosh, I love that. I'll figure it out. Whether it's, you know, turning off your stress response in the moment. But I think of a common one that I hear of, which is that expectation that leaders put on themselves that they have to know all of the answers right at the moment that they come up with, even before they could even anticipate the concept or the context of it. He'll figure it out. You don't have to over prepare to figure out the solution for something. You can trust that if it arises, you actually will figure it out. I, you know, I think it begs the question of like these expectations around our performance that we have such high expectations. Do you think that we subconsciously just expect ourselves to be superhuman every single day? Is that kind of at the root of this, that we have high expectations of who we're supposed to be that are not even human? Like we're expecting ourselves to not be human. I don't know. Yeah, I, I hear thoughts on that. Yeah, I think we have unrealistic expectations on ourselves for the most part. And I think what we tend to forget is that, for example, the CEO of your company, that person has made mistakes. They've overcome challenges. They haven't always had the answers, nor are they expected to always have every answer. And that's why they hire very smart people to put around them who can make up for maybe the strengths that they don't have. That's when you surround yourself with smart, talented people. And it's using your resources and just knowing that no one can possibly know every single answer. It's not humanly possible. And I think sometimes we have to remind ourselves of that and also have a little grace and compassion with ourselves. Think about how how are you talking to yourself in your mind right now? Would you talk to your best friend that way? Would you talk to a coworker the way that you talk to yourself? Probably not. And when you stop to think about that, it, it can be pretty eye-opening. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And hard to probably swallow. So we 
go from the triggers of like knowing what kind of gets us there, that stimulus. Then it's thinking about, you know, an action that we can take. And I love that it's small, such as I'll figure it out. Where do we go from there to, you know, win that battle against imposter syndrome? I feel a really good exercise, and I'm sure people have heard this and read it, but I really do think it's impactful. And that is to take the time and record your successes and strengths, write them out literally on a piece of paper. What accomplishments have you had? What accolades, what awards, what opportunities? Maybe you start with your resume as a base document and you just keep adding to it. But what this does is it it proves to you that you have the experience. Sometimes we forget all the things that we've done unless we're really intentional in recording them. And I like to tell people too, imagine you write everything out that you've done. And I take your list, I take your name off of it. I go give it to someone else and I say, look at what this person's done. What are your thoughts on that? More than likely, they're going to think, wow, this person has done quite a bit. Or maybe I take the name off, rearrange it, give it back to that same person and have them look at it and get their initial thoughts on what that looks like. But again, what it is, it it reminds you of all the things that you have done. It's proof that you have the experience. It's proof that you are deserving of the successes that you've been rewarded with. What role do you think? Because I think what I notice is that we're all operating at such rapid speeds in this day and age that we forget that we're actually supposed to see ourselves. Um, and because I was, I wanted to ask, like, why do you think that we don't do this enough? Is it that we're just so enthralled in hustle culture or urgency culture that we think it's kind of pointless to sit and say, oh, look what I did? Or is it just that we minimize what we do by saying anyone could have done it? Why do you think that we don't take that time to actually celebrate our successes? I think it's a combination. I think it's that people just don't think to do it. Or they might think, wow, it's kind of braggish to, you know, pay that kind of attention to myself and look at everything I've done. Or you think of all of the distractions we have in the world, Jen, social media, you've got families, you've got so many pressures to you're wearing so many hats that you're just lucky to get six hours of sleep at night. You're lucky to make it to the gym or get out for a walk. It's just such a busy world. And honestly, I think that comes down to priority. It's what is most important to you. If you are important enough to yourself, I try to tell my coaching clients, if you can carve 15 minutes out on Fridays and I give them a spreadsheet that they can use to to start as a document, I call it a, a success timeline. Because when it comes time to meet with their boss or their annual performance reviews or whatever, apply to a new job, they have everything logged on, everything they've accomplished, and then they can cherry pick what they want to present. And so just take 15 minutes out of a week. If it's important enough for you to do it, you'll do it. Yes. When you need to, your happiness depends on you doing that. Your confidence depends on you doing that. What's our final step to being able to really kind of take ownership and, and I guess, overcome our battle? This to me is the biggest one. And I can get a little emotional when I talk about this one because it's talk about it. And I did not talk about it with anybody. I kept it a secret for myself. I turned down a job promotion because of imposter syndrome. And I, I went through a lot through that journey from mental and emotional and physical health where it wore on me so heavily for so long that I thought I was having a heart attack. I went to my doctor. I I experienced a lot through that. And 
understanding now what people can experience. I don't want people to go through what I did, but I didn't talk about it with anyone. I kept it a secret because I had shame around it. Finding a peer mentor or coach, someone you trust and feel comfortable talking to makes such a huge difference. And an interesting thing, when I went through my experience and when I started my company last year, I, I posted for the first time publicly on LinkedIn, actually, my experience with imposter syndrome. And a person that I worked with at that time saw my post and she texted me. And she said, Lisa, I had no idea that you ever struggled with that. You always seem so confident. And I didn't know whether I wanted to laugh or cry when I read that because I felt like I was a walking billboard because it weighed on my shoulders so heavily all the time. But what she went on to tell me is that how much she has struggled with it too. And I had no idea. She is one of the most self-assured people I have ever met in my life. And I was shocked. That just proves the point that people don't tend to talk about it. So opening up and finding someone you trust and feel comfortable talking through it, they can help point things out that you are likely not considering and help you see a version of yourself that is truer than what you are seeing. Gosh, I, I love that you even could find that, you know, common ground, because as you talked about at the top of the podcast, the, the organizational impact of imposter syndrome so many of us struggling alone and not realizing that the colleague that's in that meeting with us that you think has it all together and is so self-assured is that person that also probably beating themselves up and saying, I'm not good enough and everyone else is smarter than me. And, you know, but I love that, you know, if we, if we layer it in, like with those triggers, I feel like you can build that awareness and recognize you're totally not alone. And so many people face this. And I mean, I feel like, I don't know, I'm curious your your take on this, because I think that confidence and imposter syndrome are these iterative things that with every new challenge, we will likely be up against their ugly heads again. Mm-hmm. So any advice on, or I guess any advice on that or thoughts on that, or any closing thoughts that you would like to share with our audience? Yeah, well, first off, when when I speak in public about imposter syndrome, I always ask the audience to stand if they've ever experienced it. And typically 95 to 100% of people are standing. So that goes to your point again, how many people around us could be the person we work with every day, we have no idea. And I, you know, I, I will not promise that imposter syndrome goes away or completely because it doesn't. It's there are ways to manage it to help minimize it so that it just doesn't overpower you to where you feel stuck and you can't take any action. Again, short term, it's not bad, but if it lasts long term, it can start having some negative impacts to you and your career and your organization. And so know that if those feelings start coming up, it's okay. Don't don't worry or freak out that, oh my gosh, here I go again. But I recommend try these four steps if you can. It just helps reframe your mind, the way you're thinking, and it serves as a reminder that, hey, it's normal to go through this, but you can can overcome it. You can manage it better than just letting it completely take control over your life. 
Yeah. And it is within your control. It's something that you can do without investing, I don't know, a million dollars into something. It's something that you can absolutely just start by building in that time to think about it and reflect. I love that. Lisa, I have enjoyed our conversation. I you know, love talking about imposter syndrome and competence. Um, it's just such a powerful thing that I think many of us struggle with. How can our audience get to know more about you and how can they connect with you maybe on social media or outside or hire you? How can they get in touch with you? Yeah, they can. They can go to my website, which is theconfidencetrack.com. I also have a free guide on imposter syndrome. It, it talks about what those signs are, the impacts, and those four steps that I talked about. And there's some worksheets in there to, to, to prompt you or guide you to do some writing exercises and put some thought into that. And to find that, go to my website, theconfidencetrack.com slash imposter syndrome guide. And imposter syndrome is spelled with ER because you can spell it a couple of different ways, but it's a free guide that can really be helpful for people who might be struggling with this right now. Perfect. Thank you so much for the free offer and go head on over to the confidence track, download it, start to do the work. You deserve it. Lisa, thank you so much for coming on the leadership habit. It was great to have you on the show. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Jen. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the leadership habit podcast. I hope that you feel inspired to apply the four steps that Lisa shared, just even starting with, you know, your triggers. What gets you into that negative mindset or the imposter syndrome thinking? Lisa shared some practical advice that I know that if you actually put the pen to paper or started to do, you would feel better. So what are you waiting for? And of course, hey, there are other reasons that we might feel like an imposter. Maybe it's because we weren't given the developmental opportunities that we need to be the successful person that we know that we can be. And that's where Crosscom comes in. If you are interested in developing your leadership skill set or the leadership skill set of your team, head on over to Crestcom.com. We would love to have a conversation about the many different tools that we share with our clients every single month that can help you be the best that you can be. So head on over to Crestcom.com. There you can request a free complimentary leadership skills workshop. You can find our monthly white papers, our eBooks, and even register for our quarterly webinars. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Until next time.